The remaining 20 verses you see in your bulletin were an optional reading, and I asked Tracy to include them in the bulletin because I thought I was going to be preaching on the lunatic at, uh, of the Gesserines. But um, over the week, my attention was drawn to the first part of that reading. I commend it to you. I didn't edit it because I don't like it. Um, take the bulletin home and read it this afternoon. Take a look at it. But the first part of that reading takes place on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, some people say it's a tiny lake. It's not a tiny lake. It's a significant body of water. It's about 60 square miles. It's, that's a significantly sized freshwater lake. Um, I looked that up on the internet last night. That's how I know. Um, it's about three times the size of Orange Lake. Maybe you've been out on Orange Lake and have an idea. So Orange Lake's a pretty big lake. Um, so it's a significant body of, of water. It's, uh, it's interesting because it's surrounded not by mountains, but by significant hills. And so when the wind blows, it kind of ricochets around the hills and creates kind of a spiral effect. Not like a hurricane or a tornado, nothing like that, but it's, it whips up the water and the water is almost constantly choppy. I was blessed to visit Israel a few years ago. On my visit to the Sea of Galilee, everybody said it was the calmest they'd ever seen it. So I missed out. But I'm told that the water is usually pretty choppy and it's pretty tricky sailing sometimes because you get that kind of circular effect of the wind. Well, our text tells us that a strong storm arises. The waves are washing over the sides of the boat. The boat is being swamped and by all measurement will end up at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee, which has an average depth of 85 feet. I looked that up too. That sounds kind of scary. I guess it doesn't really matter whether it's 10 feet deep or 85 feet deep when you think about it, but that's pretty deep, and the disciples are afraid. Well, of course they are. More about that later, but they have good reason to be afraid. The sea is a scary place, even on a calm day. I like Father Alex's image of the ocean as, as a symbol of awe that we have for God, where we see the beauty at the same time. It's also very dangerous and powerful, and it's a little bit scary at the same time that you're attracted to it. The Hebrew people have a, almost, I don't know if it's unique or not, but have a, have a, have a cultural mindset of seeing the sea as the place of chaos. That's where sea monsters live. Uh, Job, our reading from Job this morning hinted at that. Our reading from the Psalms hinted at that. That the sea is a scary place. Remember, God creates the planet Earth and, and the spirit of God moves on the face of the water and out of that chaos brings order. And there's always kind of a hesitation about the sea in ancient Hebrew society, okay? If I remember correctly from the Bible, only two Jewish guys ever got on boats. And one got swallowed by a whale, and the other got on a boat twice and had a shipwreck both times. Nothing good happens on the sea, okay? These are a desert people, all right? And the sea is particularly a scary place. Well, they have a good reason to be afraid. They're in the middle of a storm that even these hardened fishermen are scared of. They have good reason to be afraid. We've all had a good lesson in fear lately. Most of us, probably all of us, know what that feels like to be afraid. As things unfolded a year and more ago, as this COVID-19 virus spread across the world, we found ourselves beginning to worry more and more about what the future might hold. We moved from a place of peace and tranquility, or at least relative peace and tranquility, to a place of fear. And I guess in that experience, we were very much like Jesus' disciples in Mark chapter 4. 
They had a great day out with Jesus, all kinds of excitement, and then they decide to get into the boat, and a storm comes up. A great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat, the boat was already filling. Here's the first big thing I want us to see this morning. I realize this may sound fairly blunt and unsettling, but just hang in there. There's good news coming. But first you need to understand that there are things in the world to be afraid of. There really is. At least there was for the disciples. Their cruise across the lake had just turned into a white-knuckle ride on port side and starboard side. Dark mountains of water rose and washed over the boat. At any moment, they were going down to a watery grave. Even, as I said, these hardened fishermen were afraid. They were used to storms at sea, but here is a storm of such size and strength and ferocity that even they felt out of their depth. They'd encounter something they didn't know how to handle. They'd run into something they had no power to control. They'd found out that there really is something out there to be afraid of. And so have we, haven't we? This virus was our storm. And there are many things it reveals about our culture. Historians are going to be studying it for generations to come. But if we're honest, the big issues that we faced over the last year are just the same as they were for Jesus' disciple. And the first of those is that we didn't know. We don't know. We don't know how to deal with this. As human beings, we crave certainty. Knowledge makes us feel safe, and the unknown always feels dangerous. When I was a kid, we had a game. I don't know if any of you had the same game or played the game, but it was a big box. Well, I was a kid. Everything was big when you're a kid. But it was a big, big box, and it had four openings on each side, and they were like felt-covered opening with a star cross, so you couldn't see into the box. And so you, the game was you put your hand into the box, and it was full of all kinds of little plastic statue things, you know. And so you, you, you played around, and you felt everybody else's fingers, and, you, and then you found something, you picked it up, and you had to feel it, and guess what it was? You know, oh, this is, a, this is a pig, and you pull it out, and it's a little plastic pig. And that, that was the game. You could play by yourself, you had the list, and then you could root around in there. But it always felt kind of fun, but also kind of creepy, because you're sticking your hand in this box, you can't see, and, and, and you're feeling around and feeling stuff. It's unnerving when we put our hand into the unknown. Well, we were facing a massive unknown. There was a whole load of stuff that we were suddenly realizing we just didn't know. Who knows when we'll be able to meet again as a church family? Who knows when the kids are going to go back to school? Who knows when baseball is going to be back on TV? Who knows when all this will be over? Who knows if a vaccine will even ever be found? Who knows how many people will die? Who knows? Remember the early days when we weren't even sure how it spread? How scary it was? I remember being worried about our elderly neighbors, and so I got uh, uh, those, I, I forget what they were called, very strong plastic gloves. I got a box of those and goggles for my eyes. It was like I was getting ready for Ebola. I mean, COVID was bad, but it wasn't Evo Ebola, okay. But I thought, um, we might have to take care of our neighbors, and what do we do? Remember the people on TV showing us how to wipe down the groceries when we got them home? It sounds so silly now, but at the time there was, well, it did sound kind of silly even then. But uh, there was a time when you were like, well, this is kind of scary. And it was tough for us because um, 
We like to be secure in the assumption that we basically have everything figured out. And that's especially tempting for us when we've got so much knowledge just at our fingertips. How did I find out how many square miles the Sea of Galilee was? It took me seven seconds. Imagine somebody like Benjamin Franklin inventing a time machine and coming to 2021 and, and, and he asks people, what, what's this cell phone thing you're carrying? He says, oh, this connects me to the internet and it's got all the information that all human beings have ever learned or known and I can access it. And he would say, that's amazing. Show me how it works. And you would, well, look, here, here's this cute, funny picture of a cat. You know? With a few swipes, we can find out virtually anything. We're close to being omniscient. Or the temptation is to feel that we're close to being omniscient, knowing everything. And once more, we fall in the old trap, essentially elevating ourselves as humans to the place of God. But the virus was a hard reminder that we are not God. We're not the masters of our own destiny. Of course, we never were. So we didn't know and also we didn't have. You see, we feel afraid because we don't, we, we, we don't know stuff. We also feel afraid because we don't have stuff. Remember, again, back to the early days, one of the big ways we, res we responded to the threat of the coronavirus was stockpiling stuff, wasn't it? As people look back on this event, it remembered for everybody going crazy about toilet paper. Why was that? Is it because we as humans find safety in storing up as much as we can possibly get of what we might possibly need? As long as I've got what I need and as long as I can provide for my family and my friends and those close to me, I feel safe. And again, we pretend to be God like this by assuming that we can provide everything that we need. Like a little hamster filling up his cheeks with food. We fill up our shopping carts with stuff. We push them around the supermarket, then we feel better and safer when we drive home because we got a little bit of extra pasta and a little bit extra toilet paper. We have the things that we need. And it's a frightening thing to run out. It's a frightening thing to go to the supermarket and find the shelves empty. Do you remember seeing the shelves empty of toilet paper? It sounds kind of funny now, but it wasn't funny then. I mean, I've got plenty of books at home, so we would have been okay. But toilet paper is nice, okay? And you expect to see it in the grocery store. I remember going to the grocery store, again, these were these early days, and the meat department was almost entirely empty. Not completely empty, but almost empty. One whole section, I forget whether it was pork, beef, or chicken, had no products in it. And I'm standing there looking at the meat department in the grocery store. It's not supposed to be like this. It was a shock, it was scary. Just a few weeks ago, you remember the gas delivery, gasoline delivery pipeline was shut down. I saw it on the news early in the morning. I said, I gotta get to the gas station before all those idiots show up and fill up their tank. So I rushed down to the gas station. It was early in the morning, the news hadn't quite broken to everybody. I got my tank filled up, and sure enough, later that day, all the idiots showed up to fill up their tanks. You get the game I'm playing here with you, right? And we were out. And the next day I was at a store and there was an older lady there and she wasn't panicked, I'm not saying that, but she was worried. She said, does anybody know where I can get gasoline? 
And I said, well, I just came south on 441, so north of here, they don't, they don't have any. Don't go that way. She said, well, I guess I'll go south. I've only got a, a quarter tank of gas. She was worried. Not panicked, but worried. Although we all know that Americans do have empty gas tanks and empty shelves and empty bellies and empty cupboards, most Americans don't. We have so much stuff. We fill everything up, our cupboards, our homes, our social lives, our resumes, our bookshelves, our minds, because emptiness is terrifying. When we're empty, we've got to admit to ourselves that we can't satisfy what our soul longs for. So like the disciples in the boat, we found out that there is something to fear. And we've got to see that. We need to see that the world is full of scary things. There's a problem in the world and the virus exposed it. And the problem is that we've overstepped our boundaries as we always have, and we've been playing at being God. But we're not God. As this pandemic storm showed us, um, we don't have the resources to solve our problems. And we feel afraid. And it's only when we get to that point of acknowledging that there are things in the world to be afraid of that we can discover the second thing we need to learn, that there is something to be afraid of, but there's also someone to trust. And if you found all of what I just started, what I just finished talking about terribly depressing, well, here's the good news. As the way to overcome our fear is not to try to pretend to be God, but to meet God. The way out of fear is not more knowledge, not more stuff, not more toilet paper. The way out of fear is faith, turning to and trusting Jesus. Back to the disciples in the boat. The storm is overwhelming them. Maybe they spent hours trying to row back to shore, I don't know. Maybe they'd done all their calculations, they'd considered the wind speed and the water quantity and the, the strength of the, the timber that the boat is made out of and they're calculating their chances of making it back to shore. But now they've been brought to the end of themselves. They finally do what they should have done in the first place and they turn to Jesus, who's in the stern, asleep on the back of the boat, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus is apparently oblivious to their peril. But that's a picture of how we often feel in life's storms, isn't it? Many of us are tempted to look around at what's happening in the world and conclude that God seems to have fallen asleep on the job. Where's God in all of this? Why doesn't he make it better? Why does he make it stop? Does he even care? And of course he does. The disciples' rebuke of Jesus was deeply unfair given how much he will show he cares for them and for us with his life. But it's interesting what follows next. Jesus responds with a rebuke of his own, but it's not the disciples he rebukes, it's the storm. He rebukes the waves, said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Three words, just three words, peace, be still. And suddenly there's this eerie silence as if a great hand had brushed the wind out of the way and tampered down the sea. And in that moment, the disciples see what they did not know before, that Jesus has control over nature. He's not a man playing at being God. He's a man who is God. And as God, he's the one who knows what's going on and what to do about it. As he stands up in the boat and sees the fear of his disciples, Jesus isn't thinking, well, this is slightly awkward. 
What have I gotten these guys into? What am I going to do about it? No, he stands up in the boat with absolute confidence because he knows who he is and what is going on. He knows every wave that's splashing into the boat. Just like he knew exactly how many people would die from coronavirus. He knew when the kids would go back to school. He knows when it will all end and where it will lead. And he knew our fears back then. He knows our fears today. He knows your heart right now. The innermost thoughts of your mind because he knows everything. The very hairs of your head are numbered. God knows your heart rate, your blood pressure, your blood sugar numbers, the number of molecules in your body. He knows. And our security and our safety is not found in knowing it ourselves, but in trusting the one who does know it. And as we trust Jesus, we then discover he's the one who has all we could ever need. Jesus never finds himself to be empty. We never go to Jesus' department store and see empty shelves. Jesus is the one who has power. And when we find ourselves empty, when we find our resources gone and our wisdom and our strength is gone, it forces us to lift up our eyes and look around and say, where am I going to find help? And we find that in the midst of the storm, Jesus is in the boat. And I want you to know that Jesus is in the boat with you this morning. He's in your life, he's in your home, he's in the life of your family, in the life of your friends. You're not alone. Jesus is there with you. And he does care. And when you turn to him and cry out to him, you can hear the same answer he had for the disciples. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Well, he doesn't ask them, why are you afraid? That'd be a dumb question. We're afraid because the water's washing the boat. He's asked them, why are you so afraid? Why are you allowing this fear to paralyze you and to panic you? Why are you so afraid? Well, Jesus goes on, have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You can face down the storms of life without fear when you find the one who's bigger than the storm. When you find the only one who can give hope in the face of sickness and death. He came into the world for that purpose. As a society, as a culture, and as individuals, we've drifted away from God over and over and over. In many ways, it would be absolutely just and fair for God to give up on us, but he never does. It'd be absolutely fair for God to say, you've chosen to reject me, you've chosen to drift away, that's it, you're on your own. But he's far too loving for that. That's why he sent his son into the world to wake us up and bring us back so that we can know the one who knows. And that cost Jesus, it cost Jesus his life. That's what we remember every Sunday, that Jesus went to the cross. He took on death itself, death the greatest enemy that we face, the thing that brings us the greatest fear. Jesus went to death on our behalf. He fought death for us, he stood in our place, and he died our death. So why are you so afraid? When I was the vicar at St. Christopher's in Citrus County, um, a woman was in the process of dying. I went to the hospital to see her, and she said, I'm, af- I'm afraid to die. And I said, well, I guess I'm kind of afraid to die too. I mean, I've never done it before. But Jesus did it before, I told her. And Jesus came back to tell us it's going to be okay. And she was able to face death with courage. Incredibly courageous woman. 
Courage doesn't mean that you aren't afraid. It means that despite the fear, you keep moving ahead. You press through, through the fear. But you don't have to be so afraid. You don't have to be paralyzed by fear. And you can find the great Christian virtue of courage. If you find yourself being afraid, and if you find fear creeping into your life, if you find yourself anxious because you don't know what's going on, this is what you need to say, I don't know what's going on, but I know who does know what's going on. I know the one who knows. And when you find yourself empty of resources and the shelves are bare, you don't have to give in to fear. You can say, I don't have, but I do know the one who does have what I need. You turn to him and cry out to him and he says, why were you so afraid? You have no need to fear with me in the boat. And he brought us safely through the vast, vast bulk of the coronavirus pandemic. I understand it's still out there. But he's brought us safely through. He didn't promise that none of us would die. One of us did. Jim Sunwald died. He didn't say none of us would suffer. Several of us did. One of us was intubated for a week and a half, two weeks. He didn't promise us none of us would lose our jobs. He didn't say it wouldn't be hard, but he did promise that he would keep us safe. And he'll take us through death itself to life forever. Even if our fear is of a situation that leads to our own death, Jesus died already. And he came back to tell us, it's okay. Do you feel afraid? Well, good, you were paying attention to the first part of the sermon. There are things to be afraid of. But why are you so afraid? Jesus says, trust me, believe in me. Why are you so afraid? I pray that in these days, these words will be true for us. In Jesus' name, amen.